For all that is of the world, the lust and the sensual cravings of the flesh and the lust and the longing of the eyes and the boastful pride of life, pretentious confidence in one's resources or in the stability of earthly things, these do not come from the Father, but are from the world. The world is passing away. And with it, it's lust and the shameful pursuits and ungodly longings. But the one who does the will of God and carries out his purposes lives forever. Children, it is the last hour, the end of this age. And just as you heard that the Antichrist is coming, the one who will oppose Christ and attempt to replace him, even now many Antichrist false teachers have appeared, which confirms our belief that it is the last hour. Luke chapter 10 verse 27 says the love to, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Years ago when I was, I was traveling only about once or twice a quarter, I would have to fly to California and, and the boys were, were little and, and Candace was staying home and she was homeschooling them and, and, and doing the, the best that she could to raise our kids and and, and I would just hate to, to travel because I, I wanted to be with my wife all the time. I wanted to see her face. I wanted to embrace her. I wanted to be in her presence all the time. And so I could never pay attention to these. I'm an executive director, and I could never pay attention in the meetings. I'm, this is just really a few years back, 10 years, 15 years back, and... And, and I just wanted to be with her. I'd call with her, called, I'd talk to her, or I'd, you know, you know we'd, we'd get on, on uh, FaceTime or whatever, and we would chat with each other. And, and you know, how many of you know that, that talking on the phone to somebody that you're in love with or FaceTime just doesn't cut it? Right? That, that, that and the same is spiritually. I mean, the, I, I, I love that we pray. We're supposed to pray. I love that we fast. We're supposed to fast. I love that we have communion until he returns. I love that we, we do all these things as a body to, to, to honor God and to be with Jesus. But there's just something that is so awakening and so powerful knowing that pretty soon, for those of you in here that are followers and believers in Christ Jesus, you're going to be able to see and touch his face. And I wanted to be with I wanted to be with Candace so so still do, still do, but I see her all the time now, right? And and but even when I've gone on trips years past and, and recently. There's just, I'm just not the same person when I am with her. And that's because I love her. And I hope she loves me. But I love her. Did, did you know that when you love something so much, your deepest desire is to be with the thing that you love so much? Your deepest desire, our deepest desire should be longing to be with Christ. Yes. And I wonder what's wrong with the church in America right now. Where we desire so many things in the church that God doesn't even want us to follow after. We desire so many things as a people that God has never told us to do. And we miss out on the love. 
world. Are you in love with Jesus or other things in your life? Because you can't have it both ways. I want to challenge you guys today to the point of offense. I feel very free today. I feel very open about not caring anymore about your opinion of me or my vision for you. I feel very free at this point in my life. And I'm going to tell you some of this has become very recent for me. That I There's times that I allow myself to get caught up in the complaints of people and this, the, the offense of people and disgruntled people. But there's some chains that have fallen off of me recently where I just don't care about that anymore. And some of you are not going to like that because I'm no longer going to baby you anymore. I'm here to pastor you, not run a preschool. And I'm going to tell you, I know even that right there offended you, but take the offense and use it to the benefit of growing in Christ Jesus. Amen. You are all adults. I said this to my boys the other day. You're 18 and 21. Guess what? Grow up. Amen. Oh, well, Pastor, can't we be more sensitive? If you want sensitive, maybe go look somewhere else. Because none of us, you and me, don't have time. The only time we have to be sensitive is sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is telling us. We don't have time to meander around and try to be polite and perfect all the time. I'm not perfect and you're not perfect. The only one perfect is the one that we are striving to be with and long to be with. That we are supposed to be in love with and that is Jesus. It is because of Calvary that we are alive right now. And yet we sit around and we complain and we slander and we gossip. And honestly, there's a part of me that's just shedding. It's shedding and I want you to go through the shedding process along with me. I want you to follow me as I follow Christ. Can you do that today? Yes. Twelve of you, praise God. That's right, I'll take the 12, that's right, I'll take the 12. That number just came right out of my mouth, didn't it? I want to tell you a little bit about Philippians chapter 3 this morning. Paul's addressing these matters of life and death that I just described a second ago, the cause and effect. And Paul says this in Philippians chapter 3 in the Amplified Bible, verse 7, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost everything. A loss because of, excuse me, of all things, I consider them garbage. That I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is... Through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of what? Faith. Hallelujah. And in verse 10 he says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings. Because like him, 
his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. The idea of a Christian suffering is not in the vocabulary of most preachers on Sunday morning in America. Because we want to embody this, this, this non-biblical theology that we are going to go through this world unscathed. Without suffering. Without pain. Without hardship. When Jesus said, you're going to go through difficult things as you follow me. If you pursue God's mission, you will suffer. If you pursue God's call in your life, you will suffer rejection from other people. You will feel rejection in the church. You will feel rejection in your family. You will see rejection from your spouse, from your children. When you follow the fire and the passion of wanting to, the Bible says that we have loved his appearing, that we await for his appearing. That, 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 is, a, that is the prospect of God. I love you so much. Send your son nigh to me. And there's an expectation that Jesus knows everything that you're going through. All the pain and all the worry and all the sorrow. And he says, stay the course. I went through it too. And I still didn't call 10,000 angels to rescue me off the cross. If you pursue the Father, you will suffer rejection from people. You will suffer rejection from this world. But I ask you today, what good are you as a Christian if you are always concerned about what the world thinks of you? Amen. What good are you to the cause of Christ if you're always worried about what your family thinks about you? Praying at the dinner table, telling them about Jesus, being there for them even though they have been mean to you. It doesn't matter what people think about you. What matters is how much God cares and loves you where you are. I hear from leaders in the church, many of them that in the last year or two years they've gone through attacks that they've never gone through before in their life in ministry and serving in a church. Why is that? Well, I'll tell you, it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the vision of this church to go deeper in God to prepare us and outsiders. What I mean by outsiders is people that are not do not know Jesus yet. They're not in the fold yet. They're not in the family of God yet. We don't have time to play around and just throw out events every few months. We don't want to just give things away. We want to give Jesus away. We want people to see that we serve a living God. That we're not in here just, just throwing a rock band together. That we're in here. And, and can we just stop a second? And I know you guys think I'm biased. But I'm going to tell you, if my wife was doing a crappy job with this worship team, I would fire her butt. Let's give her a hand in our worship team from where they are right now. And what God is doing and using them is by the anointing that God is doing this. Amen. I fired her before. 
First church, she, we needed her to be the treasurer. That lasted like five minutes. Get out of here. And then once again, I slept on the same couch in that office. I have a different couch now. Y'all know the couches here at Destiny House are made out of pleather. Okay, so. Heard a preacher this morning. I was sitting in my office early and uh, was listening to this message. And he, uh, I love it. He said that Christians these days want a fortune cookie. And want to be able to sit down at a nice dinner. And before they pay their check at that nice Chinese restaurant, they want to break open that cookie and they want to read on a little piece of paper of how their life is going to go. Today, young woman, you will meet the most gorgeous man of your life. And you'll be, I know some of you are like, yeah, preach it. Preach it, Pastor Peter. Some of us want that, that fortune cookie approach to living the Christian walk, we, to where everything is easy and where everything is written perfectly out so that we can comprehend everything in one sitting and that, we, that, that our appetite matches what God wants to do. But how many of you know that your appetite for the world is in conflict with God's appetite for raising up the kingdom even more? John chapter 15, let me just keep moving in this message this morning. 18 to 21 in the English Standard Version, it says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. And if you are of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I, I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Before the world that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they keep my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me. Christians are afraid of being rejected. Christians are afraid to go through heartbreak. How many of you can say... That the heartbreaks of your past brought you to some of the loves of your life. Yeah. Amen. That you, I mean, I know this sounds like a bad country song, right? You sing it backwards, you get your dog back, you get your wife back, you get your church back, you're not an alcoholic anymore. No, that's so true, though, what I just said about country songs. Y'all know it. You guys know it. So. <laughs> Many of us are consumed with this present life. I wonder, and I said it just a few minutes ago, I wonder if we are truly have an anxiousness and a celebration in our heart of God's appearing soon. I wonder if some of you, when I say that, there's only really two groups of people in here. Those of you that fear the Lord coming back right now and those of you that are completely excited to meet your first love. Amen. There's only two, two sets of folks in here. Paul was consumed by his final moment. In fact, from the beginning of his conversion, he was consumed with the fact of preparing his life to meet Jesus in person. 
He was preparing his life not for the world. He did great things in the world. God used him to be great. But his ultimate goal was to conform to the image of Christ Jesus. I wonder if that is your goal today. I wonder if coming to church today, your goal is to get more intimate and closer to Jesus. Or was your goal today just to get a feel-good experience? You would have got that from the worship today, but if that's your goal during the sermon, you're not going to get that today. Because, because when you preach the truth, and I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about you. When you preach the truth to yourself, which means the word of God, the authentic word of God, that means you have to start rejecting the life that you've been living outside of Christ. Amen. That's the rejection that you're supposed to be experiencing. You should be. You should be having relationships in your life either come together or fall apart. You should be gaining more people in your life, but you also should be losing the people that God wants you to get away from, that are pulling you down to the past grave of the man or the woman that you buried in Christ Jesus years ago. Philippians chapter 3, 12 to 14, let's continue there. He says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, I forget what is behind and I strain towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. There is a straining that is involved in the Christian life. There is a suffering that is involved in the Christian life. For you to pursue the things of God, it's going to take sacrifice. Getting up on a Sunday morning and coming to church is not a sacrifice of your time. Reading a Bible study on Facebook is not a sacrifice of your time. These are all good things. Don't get me wrong. But for you to truly pursue the will of God for your life, Jesus says you've got to forsake your own bloodline and follow after me. Now understand, he's talking about this spiritually. He's not saying start tossing people out of your life. He's saying I am supposed to be the one that you are anxiously waiting to see face to face. I mean, for some of you, when you were a little kid, you couldn't wait until Christmas. You couldn't wait until you came down those stairs or you went in that room and you saw some presents under the tree. I mean, as a child, you had that faith and the expectation of, man, there's going to be some things there. Some toys there, some fun there, some activities there. And in the same way as adults, we should be, just have this overabundance of man. I get to see my Jesus soon. The one I've been talking to all these years, but I haven't seen his face. 
The one I've preached about for years, but I haven't felt his, his physical touch. I'm telling you guys, you've got to stop wasting your life. You've got to stop wasting your time with foolish pursuits. I want to give you guys just a quick example this morning. So I want you guys to imagine, and this is only 50 foot of, of nylon rope, but I want you to imagine that this, this white rope represents eternity. It goes on and on and on and on and on without any stoppage, without any breaks, without any recess, without any of that. It goes on and on and on. And this white rope represents the things that you are, are doing in God or the things that you're not doing in God. This white rope represents everything after you take your last breath. This red part of this rope is your life. We work all the way to here, and then we so we, we say that we're going to retire. Most of you, I, 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 don't, I don't even have retirement planned. Okay, I don't know what that is. So all of this, you do all of this, and keep in mind, I'm about to say a bunch of things, and this is not a judgmental comment. This is a, this is a comment of warning, because I've done all of these things. This red area represents the, the house that you long for, the job that you long for, the perfect kids, the perfect dog, the perfect white picket fence, everything that you can think of and that you long for that makes for a peaceful, beautiful life is only contained in this red area. And then you work all those years, and maybe you get to the age of 65 or higher, and maybe, and this is just a few these days, by the way, you get to this place where, where now you get to enjoy, enjoy in the last maybe 20, 15, 20, 25 years of your life, you, you get to enjoy this very small portion. Nothing, there's nothing bad about this. But what is bad? Is when all this time in this red area, you're working to be satisfied in what you've obtained in this world. And everything that you do in your life is going to echo in eternity. Everything that you do, every, we are accountable for every word, every deed, every action, every everything. We are accountable. Thank God for the grace and mercy of him. What are you doing with this? You've got all of eternity. What are you doing with this small area of your life? Are you focused on building, 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 building your kingdom here? Or are you focused on doing things that build the kingdom of God there? Jesus demands all of us. You part-time Christians in here, there's no such thing. Either you're all in or you're all out. I know you don't like that. I know you don't like to hear it. I don't like saying it. But it's truth. God demands from us, all of us.
Verse 15 in Ephesians chapter 3. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if at some point you think differently that, that it's, it, it's too much or maybe it's not clear, only let us live up to what we have already attained. Now listen to this in verse 17. Join together and following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For I, as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears. The Apostle Paul is, is in tears here. These are, these are physical and emotional and spiritual tears. And he's saying, may live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Speaking to the church. He's speaking to the church. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And he goes on to say that we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform your lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Two types of people in here today. Both types of people in this room today, most likely the majority in here, are professing Christians. Those listening to Spotify later most likely are professing Christians. But there's a difference. There's those that are worthy of following and those that are not. See, I've noticed for years that anybody can talk a good game. Most anybody can stand in a pulpit and deliver at least one good sermon. Most anybody can, can, can throw around their Christian slang, their Christianese, and people are, oh wow, listen to them pray. Listen to them, wow, what a, what a singer. They are so anointed. I know a lot of singers on this planet that sing amazing and there ain't an ounce of anointing on their life. In fact, many of them are in cults or the occult. I can name off seven artists right now to you that are holding up signs during their concerts glorifying the secret societies and cults that they are in. Wow, her voice. So amazing. His voice. Man, what a great teacher. I have seen all of these people. Another megachurch pastor fell last week for having an ongoing Texting relationship with a woman in the church every day. They're texting, and he does, his his elders have to come to him and call him on it. He didn't even see anything wrong with that. Pastor, why are you being judgmental? 
I'm not being judgmental. I'm giving you a warning today. Just as Jesus gives warnings all through the Bible, get your life right. And I'm going to say this not as a pastor. I'm saying it as a consumer in the body of Christ. Church should be important to you. You shouldn't have to pray about coming to church. You shouldn't have to think about coming to... This should be an automatic for the believer in Christ to gather in here with other believers and say, Yes, we are going to see His appearing together. Should be an automatic. When I went to these meetings in California, they were for Silverado, which Alzheimer's is Alzheimer's dementia base. And that was right during the time that that Silverado got the contract with the NFL for CTE. And I ended up, years later, I ended up having about two Houston Oilers, past Oiler players, on hospice care in the home. I would go see them. And one thing that I realized at these meetings is when they were talking about, and everybody was excited. Everybody was, oh, man, we're going to be working with the NFL. And everybody was excited. They were excited about the money coming in, of course, right? The big check. And they would always say, okay, they would go around the room to all the executive directors, right? And, and they would say something like, what was your aha moment? You guys hear that phrase, right? This is kind of a leading phrase in, in meeting, the meeting industry in America. What was your takeaway? What was your aha moment? Right when they said that, I was like, oh man, please call on me. Please call on me. Please call on me. Because in, in, in every conversation, it always has to come back to integrity. Are you, as a follower of Christ, willing to admit that you're wrong? Are you willing to go to somebody, to go to your mom, to go to your dad, to go to your siblings, to go to, to your boss, to whoever, whomever, and say, you know what? This is on me. Because that right there, and I know I'm taking a rabbit trail, but humility, the act of humility of admitting when you're wrong is such an instant gratifier to your father. Being able to know, Dad, I didn't try to conceal. I didn't try to be somebody that you don't want me to be. The people are angry with me today because I did what you told me to do and I can live with that. God, I can live with that because I'm not trying to store up treasures here in Destiny House. I'm not trying to store up treasures here in Ohio. I am trying to store up heavenly treasures with my dad that honor him. And that's what, and listen, I fail all the time. Sometimes y'all make me so upset, I want to die, get homicidal. I mean, when I pulled this rope up, some of you I looked at, I was like, I could kill you. 
said, I don't have anybody else I can depend on except Timothy. Try to think about that. In my book, it's Jesus and then the Apostle Paul. That's just me. Paul doesn't compare to Jesus, but there's very few that can compare to Paul. So when I look at Paul's life, he was the opposite of what is standing in the pulpit today in America. John the Baptist was the opposite of what is standing today in the pulpits of America. They were men that did not care about what you thought about their appearance, how they looked, how they smelled, how they did this, how they... They cared about hearing the voice of God and acting on the voice of God immediately. That's what I want you guys to do. That's what I want me to do. That's what y'all need me to do. Y'all need your pastor to act under the authority of God and not under some authority that I think I have as a man. Which, by the way, I have no authority that's valid unless it's in Christ. The sooner you guys get accustomed to understanding that your life is garbage without Jesus the quicker you're going to get on board with doing His will. Your life stinks without God. It's ugly without God. You're a zombie without God. You're dead without God. You have nothing without God. This church has nothing without God. David Wilkerson, years ago, he wrote a letter. I don't have it with me. I'll, maybe I'll read it to you one Sunday, or you can look it up. But he, he, he wrote a letter to the Assemblies of God many years ago. Warning the assemblies of God that if you stay on this path, you will not be leading people closer to Jesus. You will be leading them away. There have been many prophetic leaders that I believe are men and women of God that, that speak out of the authority of God. The assemblies of God, they make mistakes just like people. We make mistakes. But we've got to move forward. Yeah. I love the videos. And I know it's football season. I was like, yeah, football, Ohio State. Oh. <laughs> I was at Sam's the other day. I was shocked. We had two cars. When we go to Sam's, we get two cars. Right? Candace is with me. I love going to Sam's because you scan everything. You, don't, you ain't got to talk to nobody. Unless you're running a church, people, you don't talk to nobody. <laughs> Y'all don't, don't want to see me. As, I'm not a minister. Not a I am not evangelizing in Sam's Club. <laughs> I'm going to get my toilet paper, my water, and I'm getting out. <laughs> Praise God. Maybe some cool little stuff on the way, right? So there's a clothing area in Sam's Club, right? So can they stay here with Cooper? I'm, I forgot the marinara sauce. <laughs> this is a true story. And so I run back. She's probably thinking, what, what happened to me? And I picked up these sweatpants. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. I know. And y'all would be so proud of me. They were Ohio State sweatpants. No, they're not for me. I got them for K-Days. Don't be silly. Don't be silly. Oh, y'all. Y'all walk right into that. 
Are we the kind of Christians that people say, man, that guy, that gal, they really love Jesus? Or are we the kind of Christians that people say, man, they're so negative. Listen to the way they talk about other people. Listen to how they talk about East Liverpool. Listen to how they talk about their church, their schools. Listen, what kind of Christians are we today? How do we talk about our Lord and how do we back it up? Grace team, I'm going to invite you guys back out here just for a few minutes. Would you guys agree today that we should be watching and following those people that are walking out the Christian life and not talking it out? Do you agree today that starting with me that we all have to do a better job at conveying through dialogue, through our works that Jesus is alive and well and that he's coming back soon? I wonder what would happen in this you know, church of under 200 or so if 10% of this church took on the mantle this week of telling people about the risen Savior making a concert. I wonder what would happen with that 10% of people. I know what would happen to the people around you. They would be changed. Even though you may not see it immediately, they would be changed. But I wonder how much it would change you if you got your eyes off yourself, the problems in your small business, the problems in your job, the problems in your bank account, the problems in your health. And you started focusing on everybody else's problems and introducing them to the problem solver. I wonder if the problem solver would be like, huh, that's a side of you I've never seen before. That's a good job, kid. I know Cooper, if he's in the front yard and he's on his little John Deere tractor, He'll look at me, and if I'm on my phone, he's not getting the accolades that he needs. But if he looks at me and he is doing something that he thinks is productive, he'll look at me for approval. And when I give that approval, or I go, man, Coop, that was awesome. You are so fast on that John Deere tractor. They don't have no pedals. It's his legs. And the grass. You see where I'm going with this? He's not really moving fast. But Daddy sure likes it. And Daddy is sure going to say, Coop, man, you are the most beautiful boy in the world. And Candace, every morning, she does... Declarations with Cooper and 
people say, I'm gorgeous. I'm beautiful. I'm bought with a price. I'm a child of God. He'll say all this. I wonder how, that seems like it's so easy, doesn't it? Well, guess what it is? I wonder what would happen with you so-called mature Christians in this room if you began to declare over your life what God has already said about you. I wonder what would happen if you parents began to declare, instead of declaring your disappointment with your children all the time, that you began to declare, man, you're the best 16-year-old in the room. I love you. I'm proud of you. I'm excited about what God is doing in your life. I, I didn't ask you to feel like it. Because if you're waiting to feel like doing things, you're going to be a very lethargic Christian your entire life. It's not about feeling like it. It's about doing it. Y'all stand up for me, please. See, y'all don't feel like standing up, but you know, for you to get out of here, you got it. Nobody's carrying your tail out. <laughs> this part of your life right here. Two questions, real quick. Two questions. What did you do this last week that will impact this part, the eternity? What did you do last week that impacts the kingdom of God, which is represented on this white part. And then second question, what did you do last week that did not impact eternity? That did not impact it. What, what are the things in your life? Let me, let, me, let me leave you on a harsh note. I like to do that. Y'all are happy with me for the last five minutes, but let me, let me reverse that. If there's things in your life that are not creating and helping to the kingdom of God. Now listen, I'm not talking about normal things that we have to do, right? I'm not talking about mowing your yard. I'm not talking about those types of things, just normal things that we do as people, right? How many of you know if your dogs poop in the yard, and you don't pick up the poop, you're going to begin to have a poopy yard. <laughs> There's certain directions I wanted to go with that, but I seem to have just ruined it when I look back at, at her. <laughs> Let me say this. If you don't deal with the things that are messy in your life, how can God bring you to that next level in Him? There's nothing wrong with being messy. There's nothing wrong with, with having flaws. We all have flaws. But what's, what's wrong is when we allow those things to change eternity. You only have a small time. And, and I believe if, if, we, if, if, if I'm trying to be a bit prophetic today, I believe that we just have a, yeah. a little smidgen left. Thank you for tuning into Destiny House Church as we seek to draw closer to Jesus. We're so glad you've joined us today. 
Please enjoy this message by Pastor Court or one of the other anointed speakers as we pursue the Father's heart. 